Welcome to the Koozie Show with Grant Serapo. Today's episode, we're going to dive into week three of the NFL. We're going to start with some storylines around the league. And we're going to touch base with what in the world is happening with the Detroit football kittens, the Lions. After that, we'll check in to see who's available on the waiver wire for all you fantasy lovers out there. And then, last but not least, I'm going to give you my pickums. For what it's worth, it might not be worth much. But regardless, I'm going to give them to you. Here we go. Storylines around the league. It's an old saying, but it's a good saying and a true saying. Defense wins championships. Very cliche. Very. I love cliches. They're the best. And this one's true. Just look at the Denver Broncos last year. The Denver Broncos in last year's Super Bowl had the corpse of Peyton Manning, may he rest in peace, his career anyway, as quarterback. He was terrible. In the beginning of last year, he led the league in interceptions. Then they threw in Brock Osweiler. Again, who is that? They rode in to the Super Bowl on the coattails of their defense, and their defense made Cam Newton, the reigning MVP, look like a child and act like a child to a degree. No offense, Cam. And the same can be true in this season. Defense wins championships. Denver Broncos, again, still one of the top two defenses in the league. Who's that quarterback? We don't even know. Some guy named Simeon. Who is this guy? What is your name? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. All he's asked to do is to make an occasional deep throw, hand the ball off, and don't turn the ball over and let your defense bring it, bring the game home for you. Oh, the Denver Broncos, by the way, fun fact, they're 3-0. They have an outstanding defense and a nobody at quarterback, and they're 3-0. Defense wins championships. What's the next best defense out there? The Minnesota Vikings. Really hard to say that. Detroit Kittens fan. They're in the black and blue division. Same division as us. And Minnesota's got a great defense. Mike Zimmer's got them coached up over there. Really good defense. Because again, Teddy Bridgewater goes, goes out. So who's playing quarterback? Granted, they got the gunslinger, Sean Hill for the first couple of weeks, and the defense is able to win those games for them. But this past season, week three, they got Sam Bradford in there. Sam does okay. But more importantly, the Minnesota Vikings hold Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers to 10 points. Hold Cam Newton, the reigning MVP, to less than 300 yards passing and no TDs. Defense wins championships. That's all you got to say. Historically, that's who wins. Occasionally, on occasion, my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I mean, I mean, I mean, wait, wait, that's besides the point. Occasionally, an overloaded offense can win you a championship, a la the greatest show on turf. But it's really up to a defense. The defense has got to be coached up. Think about three years ago when the Seattle Seahawks made it to the Super Bowl. I'm just about that action, boss. Who did they beat? They beat the Denver Broncos. The Seattle Seahawks rode the Legion of Boom all the way to the, all the way to the Super Bowl. 
I'm not trying to take anything away from Russell Wilson, but he didn't win the Super Bowl. The defense did. And so what happened after that? The Denver Broncos said, oh my God, do we need a defense? And they went out and got one, made it to the Super Bowl, and quite possibly they may run it back to back. Very possible that they can come out of the AFC again and head to the Super Bowl. What else happened? Minnesota's defense held Cam Newton to less than 300 passing yards. Minnesota's defense rendered Calvin Benjamin the number one receiver who's been killing it through two weeks for the Carolina Panthers. Catchless. Previous two games averaging 6.5 catches and 1.5 TDs. Not only did they keep him out of the end zone, again, catchless. That's outstanding. The Denver Broncos held the Cincinnati Bengals, the Red Rocket, and A.J. Green to 17 points. Only 206 passing yards the Bengals were able to complete against Denver's studly defense. Again, no passing TDs. Not only that, but they kept A.J. Green out of the end zone. And that's got me worried because in fantasy, I'm an A.J. Green owner. And it's got me worried because that's two weeks in a row now that teams have rendered A.J. Green somewhat irrelevant. And it sucks because I think that's the recipe to beating the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't care if anybody beats the Bengals that are in Ohio. But I do care about if A.J. Green scores touchdowns because he's on my fantasy team. Dang it. God damn it. Because that's how you beat Cincinnati. Pittsburgh drew up the blueprint in week two. They said, we're going to let anyone else beat us besides A.J. Green. And A.J. Green was rendered irrelevant in week two. And Pittsburgh Steelers won. So what happens in week three? Denver Broncos comes in there, does the same thing. A.J. Green's doing nothing throughout the first half of the game. He picked up some yards late in the game, but again, kept him out of the end zone. Denver pulls out the win. Newsflash! If you want to stop Cincinnati, stop A.J. Green. Another outstanding storyline to take away from week three. Bill Belichick is unanimously considered a genius. He's a mastermind. He started week three with a quarterback that no one in their right mind knows who is. Not Tom Brady. Not Garoppolo. Someone else! Pulled him out of the woodworks because Garoppolo was hurt. And they went out and beat the brakes off the Houston Texans. You got knocked the fuck out, man! Hey, young man, you got knocked the fuck out. I actually thought Houston stood a chance in that game. Gave them the benefit of the doubt. That, oh, going after this, no experience having nobody out of the New England area, that, you know, the Houston uh, J.J. Watt-led defense could handle that, do something with that, do something against that. I was wrong. Oh, my God, I was wrong. That game was awful. Bill Belichick is a genius. It's hands down, case closed. Look, he's the best coach in the NFL. Historically, whoever he puts back there looks like a dog. Looks like an absolute stud. It doesn't matter who it is. Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe, Matt Castle, Ryan Mallett, Garoppolo, and this Yahoo from week three. Who's going to miss the rest of the season? Due to an injury. So what does that tell you? He's a genius. Because the other guys, Matt Castle, Ryan Mallett, these guys then leave New England, historically, because other teams typically think, okay, these guys must be good. They play great for the Patriots. Let's plug them in our system and see how they do. And they're trash. Oh my gosh, they're garbage. It's horrible. But that's how good 
Bill Belichick is. Bill Belichick is the master at shining turds. They just plug and play. It doesn't matter who's back there. He's a genius. I always thought this about Phil Jackson switching gears to the NBA for a second. Everybody historically thinks that Phil Jackson's one of the best NBA coaches ever because he has just so many NBA championships. But I never knew for sure if Phil Jackson was that good or if he just happens to benefit from coaching the best players in the game. He coached Michael Jordan, the best NBA player ever. He also coached possibly the best tandem in the NBA ever in Shaq and Kobe. Then again, later, another phenomenal tandem in Kobe and Pau Gasol. So is Phil Jackson that good? I don't know. When they lost Shaq, they kind of hit a rough patch. Sorry, Phil. It sucked for a little bit. Oh, yeah. And Kobe dropped 80 points. Ugh, filthy. But Bill Belichick, when his guys go down, there is no drop. They keep playing as if nothing has changed. They're the same Patriots with or without Tom Brady. So that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Is Tom Brady is Tom Brady one of the top five quarterbacks of all time? I don't know. Really hard to say that because he plays with probably the best NFL coach of all time. Bill Belichick is a f- genius. He's an absolute genius. So is Tom Brady top five quarterback of all time? I don't think so. Matt Castle looks like a Hall of Famer. Garoppolo looks like a Hall of Famer. Everyone back there looks like a Hall of Famer when Bill Belichick is calling his shots. Let's take a look at uh, around the rest of the league. It seems like everyone else in the league is a little bit mediocre. Minnesota, elite by default because of their defense. Denver, same story. Bill Belichick, best coach, his team's elite. But you know what? Everyone else isn't looking that great. Surprisingly, the Philadelphia Eagles are still undefeated. That's how mediocre the league's looking right now. The Eagles are undefeated. Even the Cam Newton-led Carolina Panthers are 1-2. and two. They're not looking that great. Everyone's beating everyone. I guess it's good to have parity in the league. But at the same time, I don't know if it's parity or if everyone's just a little mediocre. A lot of people expected Arizona to be really good. Favorites, they don't look that good. Seattle, mm, they don't look that good. It'll be interesting. Don't get fooled by Green Bay. They had a rough start. Losing to Minnesota, barely surviving against Jacksonville Jaguars. And sure, they beat the Detroit Lions, but we'll get to that later. Don't be fooled by the fact that they beat the Lions, because that doesn't say anything. Aaron Rodgers isn't back. He's not going to discount double check all over the Denver Broncos. Okay? It was against the Lions. Next up, upset alert. Big upsets over the weekend. Buffalo, Rex Ryan, you saved your job. Beat Arizona. Again, confused by what's going on in Arizona. Arizona got beat by Garoppolo. But hey, I'll give him the benefit of doubt there because not only is that Garoppolo and the New England Patriots, but it's Bill Belichick. He's a genius. We went over that. Denver over Cincinnati. Again, defense wins championships. Cincinnati was at home, though. I did not expect them to lose to the Denver Broncos, led by Simeon. LA Rams. They beat Tampa Bay. The LA Rams 
are leading the NFC West. Whoa, unbelievable. Biggest upset. Oh my God, the biggest upset over the weekend. Philadelphia, ooh, the Eagles. And Philadelphia, Pennsylvania destroyed, ugh, destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know what's going on. Absolutely destroyed them, though. I wanted more from you, Antonio Brown. Fire up, Chips. Doug Life. Let me get a sip of my sulfite-free wine. And we'll continue with our next segment. The Detroit Football Kittens? So what do we take out of week three? Lions at Green Bay. Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers, captain. Discount double check. Stafford still looks good. He's still spreading the ball around. Only two interceptions throughout the season. Very good. Stafford's on a contract year, and he's playing like it. Even my wife commented, this is the first game that she laid eyes on of the pitiful Detroit football kittens. And she saw Stafford, and she said, did he lose weight? He did lose weight. He looks like he's in great shape. He's really putting forth a great effort. You can't ask Stafford to do more than what he's doing. Eric Ebron. Oh my God, I wish he could block. If Eric Ebron could block, he has the opportunity to be an exceptional tight end because he had his best game of his career in a losing effort, mind you, but nonetheless caught a lot of balls, timely balls, possessions he needed to catch and we needed to capitalize on. But the real story of the Detroit Lions right now, the Detroit football kittens, the defense, just as we talked about, Defense wins championships, and the Lions' defense looks awful. I hate to break this to my Detroit faithful, but there is no championship in sight for this team because that defense looks really, really bad. Don't be fooled by the score of the Green Bay Lions game. The score is incredibly misleading. Green Bay destroyed the Lions in the first half. Aaron Rodgers threw four TDs in the first half. Four! After you have mounted such a monumental lead, Green Bay then started playing very conservative. Very conservative in the second half, which is what allowed the Lions to get back into the game. Had they continued to run consistent play calling as they did in the first half, the score would have been ran up and it would have been embarrassing. So again, don't be fooled. The defense was atrocious. The defense allowed Aaron Rodgers to look like Michael Vick. He ran all over the place. And the final exclamation point was third and long. There were one score down. Great outstanding coverage. But no one is watching Aaron Rodgers. The Lions can't get nearly enough pressure on him. And he basically walks his way to a first down. Which ultimately ended the game. Let me give you some fun stats about the Detroit Football kittens, awful defense. Okay, let's be real. They're not so fun. They're actually terrible facts. Right now, the Lions are allowing the fourth most points per game in the entire league. 28.3 points. And this also can be misleading because, again, this is fourth most, 28.3. Imagine what that number would have been and could have been had Green Bay not decided to go conservative in the second half. It would have been even worse. Ugh. Awful. Fourth most. That's that's just so bad. Aww. Really bad. That's really bad. If you want to win the game, 
you have to control the turnover ratio. Correct? I can't hear you. Oh, yes, it's correct. Thank you for agreeing with me. You have to win the turnover battle, and that's the tall tale sign of a good defense. The best defenses right now have 10, 8 turnovers created. Turnovers meaning fumbled, recovered, interceptions. Do you know what the Lions have? One interception and, wait for it, no fumbles! Zero. They only have one turnover created. Tied for last place in the league. That's awful. That's absolutely awful. It says everything. That's horrible. Disclaimer, Ziggy Anza and DeAndre Levy have been out, uh, were out this past game and are expected to be out in Chicago as well. But that's not an excuse anyway. Ziggy Anza doesn't play DB. Granted, he put more pressure on Aaron Rodgers, but come on. Let's be serious. Even with Ziggy and DeAndre back there, they're still probably going to get roasted by the Green Bay Packers. This is very disheartening. Terrell Austin's, Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, his defense keeps getting worse year after year. And it really makes me wonder because he's applied for head coaching positions in the offseason over the past two offseasons. And no one's accepted him as a coach. He's not won any of those gigs, to the best of my knowledge. And maybe there's a reason for that, because his defense are getting worse year after year. I'll go into further detail as we continue to move on and dissect this atrocious Detroit football kitten defense. This week against Chicago, Terrell Austin's defense is going to be put on the spot. It's going to be a defining moment for the defense in Chicago. One of two things is going to happen. They're either going to get themselves together and get back to respectability versus an awful Chicago Bears team led by Brian Hoyer, or they're going to do just the opposite and make Brian Hoyer look like an outstanding fantasy sleeper pickup. Oh my goodness. I hope to God it's the first one. Otherwise, it's going to be an even longer season than last year. But I kind of think Brian Hoyer is going to be a good fantasy pickup. But that's not what we're talking about. We'll talk about more fantasy stuff later. Moving away from the defense to an even bigger subplot with the Detroit Lions. Jim Caldwell, sad to say, really just needs to go. It sucks, you know. I like Jim. He seems like a really nice old guy. I kind of wish he'd be my grandpa. It would be sweet. The nicest old guy ever. But he is a really bad head coach. Really bad. Traditional Detroit Lions teams are undisciplined and make stupid penalties. What have we seen in the last two games? Under Jim Caldwell's tutelage. Horrible penalties. An absolutely undisciplined team. Again, signs showing that the culture has not changed. Creeping back to that SOL, guys. Really sucks. Undisciplined team, same old Lions. Untimely holding penalties on offense. A horrible pass interference penalty right out of the gate. Terrible. Second week in a row of just horrible, untimely penalties. Not only that, but Andre Roberts, the kick returner. Why in the world is Andre Roberts constantly taking the ball out of the end zone Eight yards deep. It's horrible. He's getting tackled on the 18 virtually every time. They say his average 
his average return is 21 yards. I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. Maybe that includes eight yards. <laughs> but those should be negative yards. If you simply kneel the ball, you get it at the 25. It was so infuriating to see him catch the ball eight yards deep in the end zone. He'd catch the ball five yards deep in the end zone, get to the 15 and get tackled. Come on, bud. What are you doing? Take a knee. Jesus. It looked like there was a glimmer of light when the coaching staff decided to make it, uh, and what is what is a phenomenon as of late, decided to make a good cha- a good decision and let Dwayne Washington return return a kick. But it was all for naught because immediately after, on the next return, Andre Roberts is back out there. And what happens? He takes it six yards deep again, uh, only to be tackled at the 18. Why is he doing that? I don't know. To bring it all back to Caldwell, in an interview with Jim Caldwell this week after the game, he said that Andre Roberts is fine. He's safe. He doesn't, he doesn't lay blame at all. He doesn't tell him to change anything. Are you serious? This is outrageous. So is this going to continue to happen? We're just going to continue to have the ball on the 18-yard line when we could have it at the 25? I know it doesn't seem like much, but at the end of the day, it's the principle of the thing. It's just, it's oh my God, it's effing math, bro. Take a knee. Oh my God, it's awful. So again, Jim Caldwell needs to go. Undisciplined team, untimely penalties. I don't know what he's telling Andre Roberts. And again, he's safe, won't even discipline his players who are clearly doing stupid things. So he's either not punishing them for doing stupid things or he's offering them stupid advice. This is a deeper issue. He should have been fired last year. Jim Caldwell absolutely should have been fired last year. Martha Ford is the only reason he's not fired. And that sucks. That really sucks as a fan. But he should totally be fired as of last year. And let me break it down for you like I'm holding the hand of a two-year-old child. In 2014, the Detroit Football Lions had the number two defense in the league. Joe Lombardi's first year as offensive coordinator. The number two defense in the league disguised all of the offense's flaws. The offense at the time was averaging roughly like 10 points a game. Okay, that's all they were averaging. Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, Eric Ebron, averaging roughly 10 points a game. Not the total game score, but the offense itself, 10 That's terrible. That's absolutely horrible. Okay, but you couldn't tell because the defense was number two in the league. And just like what they're not doing this year, this is what they were doing in 2014. They were winning the turnover battles. So the scores look bloated. They look absolutely bloated. And the offense's inefficiencies were completely disguised. Okay, I knew it. I knew it plain as day. And the head coach should know it because his whole job is to pay attention at what his personnel, his coaching personnel are doing. That's his entire job. His whole job is to manage the coaches on the staff and oversee their performance as well as managing timeouts, which he's historically awful at. But that's a side note. That's besides the point. So with that being said, he should have had his eye on Joe Lombardi the entire season, first year OC. He should have known that these were issues in 2014 and then fired him at the end of 2014 and went and got a new guy. And if he didn't do that because he didn't have the guts, if nothing else, at the start of the 2015 season, he should have been watching Joe Lombardi with a magnifying glass. 
to see exactly what was going on. Possibly give him the benefit of the doubt that he would have learned from his mistakes as a first-year offensive coordinator, remedy those, and they'd come back in 2015 with some improvement. That did not happen. The defense dropped from 2 to 18 in the league, and the offense was completely exposed for their inefficiencies. Did Jim Caldwell fire Joe Lombardi when they were 0-3? No. Did he fire him when they were 0-4? Oh, no. Did they fire him when he was 0-5? No. Why would he do that? He's the nicest guy ever. He waited until they were 1-6. Seven games. And the season is virtually lost to fire someone. Just as we talked about earlier, his entire job as a head coach is to manage the coaching personnel and manage timeouts. In literally a season, it took a season and a half for him to identify that his offensive coordinator was not adequate. That's horrible. I can't believe that. He wasted an entire season. It is Jim Caldwell's fault and his fault alone that last year was wasted. That's no more evident by the fact that they then gave Jim Bob Cooter, uh, the quarterback's coach, the one-time quarterback's coach, a job as the offense coordinator, and he tailored an offense that fits Stafford like you would think any good coach would do. Uh, That's the sign of a good coach. Hey, let's segue here. The sign of a good coach to uh, Grant Serapo, you know, the host of the Koozie Show, is a coach that's able to put in place an offense that best suits the players around him. Not put in an offense and force players that don't fit that scheme to run it. Because that's not a recipe for success. That's a recipe for disaster, a la Rich Rodriguez. But I digress. Again, this is about Jim Caldwell. I believe I just laid it out plain as day. Undisciplined team. Same old Lions. Didn't fire Joe Lombardi. He needs to go. It's just outrageous. All right. Now that everybody's feeling good. Okay, so... Next week, week four, the kittens got a, I would say it's a tall task. It shouldn't be, but it is. They're playing Chicago in Chicago. As bad as I think the Detroit Lions defense is, the Bears look just in utter disarray. They look terrible. So hopefully the Lions can go into Chicago, Soldier Field, and get a victory and be a humbling 2-2. Two and two. And maybe the defense can make some improvements off an embarrassing performance last week in Green Bay. One can only hope, right? Let's be optimistic. Come on, let's turn that frown upside down. And that'll do it for this week's edition of The Detroit Football Kittens. Reality can be tough sometimes. When reality gets a little too tough, that's when you need to dive into fantasy. Which leads us to our next segment, Waiver Wire. Which one is it? You must choose. Choose wisely. Let's start with some running backs. Speaking of the Chicago Bears, does anybody know who Jordan Howard is? He plays for the Bears. Langford's going to be out this week, guys, with an ankle injury. Not to say that Jordan Howard is the second coming to Adrian Peterson, but just like I talked about before, playing the Detroit Football Lions defense right now. Fourth worst defense in the league. Jordan Howard's only owned by 20% of Yahoo leagues, and you might be able to, uh, if you're stretched thin by all these injuries that are plaguing the fantasy world, try to pick up Jordan Howard, and he'll probably get you some points this week. Be a solid guy. Who knows? Might even 
be a huge guy playing against this awful Detroit. Oh, God. The Detroit Lions defense. <laughs> Another guy, speaking of Detroit, Dwayne Washington. Dwayne Washington was a waiver wire guy you could have picked up last week. However, he still is only owned by 23% of fantasy owners in Yahoo Leagues. And he had a poor performance last week, but Dwayne Washington did show some promise last week with limited carries and is playing Chicago's defense this week, so he could potentially have a big game. Not only that, but following Chicago, he's going to then play Philadelphia, which is a defense who's also susceptible to the run. Now, if you really need a reach, you can also go after Orleans Darkwa from the G-Men. You know what I'm talking about? The G-Men. Oh, yeah. The G-Men. That was from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, my boy. Uh, yeah, Orleans Darkwa, only owned by 1% of fantasy owners in Yahoo Leagues. Vereen went down for with a season-ending injury. So now it's going to be split carries between Orleans and Rashad Jennings. So he's they run a two-back system, so he's really going to get some carries. He's not just a third-down back. They really do almost a 50-50 split. So Jennings will still probably get the more uh, timely carries, probably more red zone stuff. But at the same time, uh, this guy, Dark, was only owned by 1% of uh, Yahoo leagues, and he's going to get a healthy dosage of carries for the, the G-Men. Oh, yeah. That brings us to wide receivers. Terrell Pryor. You remember him? He used to play for Ohio State. Now he plays for Cleveland, and he does everything. It's outrageous. He runs, he throws, he catches. Just like one of my favorite commentators, believe it or not, Bill Walton used to say, Karolinko is everywhere. Terrell Pryor is everywhere. Terrell Pryor really is everywhere. Runs, throws, catches. It's nuts. This dude's going to get points regardless of who they're playing because it's pretty much between him and their running back. And he's going to get, somebody's got to get some points there. One or the other. I'm going to go with Pryor. He's only owned in 22% of Yahoo Leagues. Another wide receiver who's only owned in 16% of fantasy Yahoo Leagues, Washington Redskins, Jamison Crowder. He's actually emerging as one of their top targets in Washington and scored a touchdown in each of the last two weeks. Last but not least, we'll move to tight ends. Cameron Brait. Does anyone know who that is? Well, unless you watched the Tampa Bay game, you probably wouldn't because their tight end used to be Sebastian Safarian Jenkins. They just released him. Weird. Scored a touchdown in week one. Now he's released. Cameron Brait is the unrivaled tight end in Tampa Bay. And you want to know how he's unrivaled? Because last week in week three, Jameis Winston targeted him 10 times and he scored two touchdowns. Hey, buds. He's only owned in 2% of fantasy leagues, Yahoo fantasy leagues. So there you go. If you got some waivers and your waiver date isn't until Thursday, go out and get these guys. All right? That was another edition of Waiver Wire. Which one is it? You must choose. But choose wisely. Okay, we're through with that fantasy stuff. Let's bring it back to reality for our next segment. NFL Pick'em. Fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out. All right, week four of the NFL, the National Football League, is underway. First matchup, Cincinnati at home versus Miami. I feel like Cincinnati, well, let one slide against Denver last week. They're at home. I think they're going to prevail. I'm taking Cincinnati. The Colts, 
who are, whom are the favorite against Jacksonville in Jacksonville. I don't know. I really feel like uh, Jacksonville is underachieving this year, and they're due. They're not as good as I was hoping they'd be. However, I do feel like they're due. They're at home. I'm going to pick the upset going with Jacksonville. Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta just handily beat New Orleans. So this game is going to be very intriguing to watch. However, I'm going to take the favorite. I'm going to go with Carolina, even though they're in Atlanta. Detroit versus Chicago. Detroit's the favorite. I'm going with Detroit. I'm thinking they're going to get their act together, and they're going to take out Chicago. New England versus Buffalo. Buffalo surprised everyone last week and took out the Arizona Cardinals. Weird. But I just said that Bill Belichick's a genius, and I got to go with Bill Belichick's genius coaching with New England at home. There's no way I'm going to pick against Belichick-led team at home. No way. Seattle at the New York Jets. I'm going to go with Seattle. Look, the Fitz magic wore off. You're going to have to call my boy HP, Harry Potter. Try to get some more magic fits. It's not working out. Cleveland at Washington. I'm going to go with Washington because they're at home. They're the home team. And Cleveland's in the state of Ohio. And just like we talked about before, LeBron James does not play for the Browns. Oakland at Baltimore. Baltimore's favored. They're the home team. But you know what? I'm going to go with Oakland. I feel like Baltimore has been scraping by with these wins. And I really like the young Oakland squad. Derek Carr led. Oakland squad. Carr drops back. Slangs it to Amari Cooper. Yeah. The Raiders. Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. I'm going to go Houston. They're the home team. And Tennessee's not very good. Denver Broncos at Tampa Bay. I really like Tampa Bay. And I would normally pick Tampa Bay because they're at home. But Jameis Winston was horrible against Arizona. And their tough defense. Now he's facing the Denver Broncos. Top two defense in the league. I think he's going to struggle again, unfortunately. And I'm going to go with Denver. Los Angeles Rams. The LA Rams. Against the Arizona Cardinals. At Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona. Rams have been doing pretty good as of late. But I think their luck's going to run out in a divisional game where they're on the road. I'm taking Arizona. New Orleans. The New Orleans Saints. Going to take on the San Diego Chargers. In San Diego. Going with the home team again, taking the Chargers. Dallas versus the San Francisco 49ers at San Francisco. Dallas has been rolling. However, I do feel like Chip Kelly is going to exploit the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to go with San Francisco. Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh versus Kansas City. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. They were embarrassed last week. Absolutely embarrassed against Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to seek some revenge against the Kansas City Chiefs. Minnesota Vikings versus the New York Giants. Defense wins championships. They're also at home. I'm going to go with Minnesota. So there you have it. That does it for this week's NFL Pick'em. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. That does it for this week's episode of The Koozie Show with Grant Serapo. I'll see you guys next time. Adios. Cheers. I said I'm not scared. Look out, man. The Koozie Show.